You're listening to Underestimated, real stories from real women, discussing how they overcame everyday hurdles and rose above. We will not be underestimated. Hello, underestimated listeners. Today, I have a good friend on the show, Miss Jessica Fitzgerald. Ah, She's one of my closest friends. Jessica and I actually met years ago. Back in college, um, we were doing this really, really crazy internship called Southwestern Advantage, where we moved across the country to a different state, and we literally sold books door to door. Yeah. So much fun. (laughs) If that's what you call it. (laughs) (laughs) A lack of fun. Yes. (laughs) But I would say we both had the opportunity to learn skill sets that probably I wouldn't have at least learned until later, later, far later in life in my career. And you just kind of are thrown in into the deep end and you either sink or swim and you pick it up and it's, you know, three months of 80 hour work weeks and you're basically running your own business. So uh, I think we both learned a lot. And plus it has some pretty awesome, amazing alumni that have become pretty successful from it as well. But I will spare the listeners the alumni list. (laughs) (laughs) So Jessica also, Jessica and I also studied together at Texas A&M, and then she continued on to get her MBA from Richmond in London. I've seen Jessica work tirelessly throughout her career to achieve her goals, and she is now the Director of Operations at Builder's Choice, which we are super, super happy about. Very much so. So thanks for coming on, Jessica. Um, I know you have your glass of wine. I have my glass of wine. So cheers. Cheers. I'm really, I'm really excited to have you on because I think one of the things I admire about you is your grit and tenacity. At, you, you really are just the epitome of grit. Whenever I think of somebody that's going to stick to it and keep chugging along and keep just clawing your way to get there, it's you. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you. I surely appreciate that. And uh, definitely a a visual of me clawing my way. (laughs) It's funny, because that's how I describe my journey as well of just clawing my way back up to the top from the bottom. So yeah, that's funny that you describe it that way. That's great. Well, uh, before we jump into your journey, um, really, what we're going to talk about today is your career, the path you've taken and a couple of step backs with how you kept going and now you're back on the top. So before we dive into that, I want everyone to know a little bit more about you. So tell us a little bit about what do you like to do in your spare time? What are some of your passions? Um, so in my spare time, which at this point, I don't have very much. My job is very demanding. But with the spare time that I do have, I really enjoy travel. So I like to have big getaways and little getaways. So um, most recently, I went to New Orleans with my amazing boyfriend. And that was fun. It was my 10th time there. It was his first. So I got to show him around and show him the culture and the art and the experience. Um, And then small things. So for Memorial Day weekend, um, we are going to this little cabin in the woods and it's a bed and breakfast, but they leave you alone and you just go into the cabin and all of the lights are lit and they are all themed. So we're going to France and they play French music and they have uh, French antique um, furniture in there 
and it smells amazing and everything is stocked with food. So it's a bed and breakfast, but they don't come in and make you breakfast or anything like that. It's all very remote. So like to have uh, big trips and then, you know, little trips here and there. So definitely a passion of mine. And uh, another one, I am a concert junkie. And so even if I don't listen to it in my car, it's I'm not a big fan of it regularly. I would still love to see whomever live. So currently we're about to go to Ink Carceration, which oh is a metal festival in Ohio in a former prison. But I'll have to show you a picture of it because it is the most beautiful castle-esque prison mansion you've ever seen. Um, that's actually where they filmed Shawshank Redemption. That's where we're really? And it's a metal festival and a tattoo festival uh, just in one. And so uh, one of my good friends, Devin and I are going, my boyfriend and I are going and I'm dragging my brother along and it's going to be fantastic. So my hearing is severely impaired because of all the concerts that I've seen, all the live music. And I love seeing live music, everything from Zydeco to Katy Perry. I'd love to see Taylor Swift live. Thank you for for turning me on to her. <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure for sure. And it is literally because of you. <laughs> and, uh, I have nostalgia from all the fun times we had. We were listening to Taylor Swift. And so I became a fan. And then all the way to rock, metal, Viking metal, Amon Amarth, saw them live. It was quite an experience. And so, by the way, Taylor Swift, if you're listening, I would love to have you on Underestimated as well. So <laughs> I'm sure she would be a, an incredible guest. <laughs> I think I might have to cu- quit my job. Uh, Sorry, Sean, if you're listening. <laughs> if I had Taylor Swift on the show. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be a hit for sure. I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> That's great. And I, I will say, um, as far as traveling, if anyone is looking for a traveling companion or a not a companion, um, a tour guide to New Orleans, Jessica's your girl. And probably multiple places in Europe as well. You have a knack for finding the most obscure things that are just, it's like obscure experiences that just engulf you in the culture of where you're at. Mm -hmm. I like to find things off the beaten path and go where the locals go. And I'll go to the tourist traps too. I'll go and see what everything is about, but I love to go off the beaten path and find new things and experience strange things like eating an entire platter of different bugs and going to the Museum of Weird in London. So that was a lot of fun as well. But yeah, I do I do like finding some some odd things that are a little off the wall. I, I specifically remember um, catacombs. <laughs> the Parisian catacombs. Best <laughs> day of my life. My 27th birthday. Yes. That was my favorite experience in my entire life. And it's funny because I have a, a friend from Paris, Sean. And he... Uh, he, I told him I wanted to go to the catacombs and he said, I will take you. But to do that, for me to take you, you have to watch this movie as above, so below. And I said, okay, well, little did he know I'm a horror movie flick connoisseur. So, uh, I watched the movie. It is one of my all time favorite movies now loved it. And it made me want to go more. And he said, I cannot believe that movie did not deter you from wanting to go on an illegal underground tour both figuratively and literally, to the Parisian catacombs. And I said, oh yeah, I want to go. He chickened out. He was invited to go to my birthday. He chickened out. He didn't go. 
And I went anyways, and I went on a four-hour underground illegal tour of the catacombs. I hope I don't get in trouble by putting this on the internet. Um, but I know a guy who knows a guy who does tours, and it was absolutely spectacular. I remember you telling me about that. And I was like, that does sound fun. And then I was like, I think I might actually be somewhat claustrophobic. I don't know if I could handle that because it's, you described really tight spaces. You have to squeeze in between. Yes. I did have to army crawl through a hole in the earth. And what's funny is it's actually the same place that they went. And I found this out years later. It's the same place that they went into the catacombs in as above, so below. So it's the same hole in the earth. Oh, that's so cool. Yes, it was actually really neat, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, I think uh, I would be too scared to, it depends how far mm-hmm. you have to go. So tell tell me a little bit, I've, you and I have talked multiple times um, throughout and over the years, both leaning on each other as we make career moves and decisions. And um, I, I remember you going to get your MBA and coming back and ready to start back up. You actually, right after college, started at Building Stars mm-hmm. and then left to go get your MBA and came back. So tell us a little bit about your career journey. I think that I I know the story um, pretty well, but I mm-hmm. think there's a great lesson in there um, that our listeners will find valuable about clawing your way back up, about constantly just keep going and you're, you're going to get there. You just got to keep going. Yes, it was quite quite the journey. So I started out as an outside sales representative straight out of college with a company called Building Stars, and they do commercial cleaning and facilities maintenance. And so I did that for them for about a year and a half or so. And I thought to myself, I really wanted to be a regional director. I saw what my director was doing, how hard he was working. And I was thinking I could do that. I could contribute. The The problems that I was seeing in my job, I didn't have the clout or the resources to be able to fix. And that really bothered me. And so I thought to myself, how am I going to get this job that a man in his 40s with an incredible resume has? And so what are some of the ways? Well, one, I could just work my way up to the top with the company and stay there for years and years and years. Or I could go and get my MBA and hope that I get the job. So I went for the latter. And I didn't want to be out of the game for very long. I didn't want to be in school for two years. I I know everybody loves it. I hated college. I hated school. I wanted to get out of it. So I'm literally forcing myself to go back to school. I had this end game in mind. Well, what... what- what made you like, what was the thought process behind that decision? What was like your pros and cons? How did you arrive to that decision to do the MBA? Mm -hmm. So with that, uh, I was looking to cheat. Um, I, I wanted to get to the top in a faster, easier manner than working my way up to the top and it taking forever in my career. I wanted to do something that would enrich me and teach me the things that I thought would be valuable in that position in a shorter period of time. And I thought one of the ways that I could do that was to obtain my MBA. So I'm looking for a good MBA program. And I look at my alma mater, Texas A&M, and their tuition was so expensive. And it was a two-year program. So I think, okay, that's definitely an option. I'm comparing it to other schools 
and honestly seeing that the options were close um, in terms of tuition and it being a two-year program. And so I thought, you know, okay, well, what about the school that I studied abroad at while I was in London? And one of the things about me is when it comes to my bucket list, I make a conscious effort to actually cross things off of my bucket list as opposed to just letting them linger and just be kind of pipe dreams. So um, one of the things on my list was to actually live in London for a year as an adult. So I thought, okay, what about this school? So I look at the school in London that I studied abroad at, at Texas A&M, well, with Texas A&M. And so I looked at the school, they had a one-year fast-track MBA program, and the tuition was considerably less expensive than Texas A&M. And the great thing about the school, it's a private American international university. All of the my degree really would be valid in Europe, and it would also be valid within the United States. So I thought, killing two birds with one stone. I mean, this is great. I decided to go. It was a quick decision. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to make it happen. So I spoke with my boss. I let him know. And it was a gamble. The job was not guaranteed to me. It wasn't, you go get your MBA, you get this job. It was definitely a gamble on my part. And I decided to take it. Did your boss say that, or that he would consider bringing you back on after you got your MBA? <laughs> You're like, I'm just gonna do it. No, the answer is no. Um, yeah, it was very much not a guarantee. And uh they they said, Hey, you do you, go ahead. And so it was a gamble on my part. I went I went to the school, I had an incredible experience. I enjoyed graduate school so much more than undergraduate and uh learned a lot and learned an absolute ton did well, graduated with honors, something I'm really proud of. And I came back to came back to life. So I went back to Texas and I start searching for a job. And honestly, I didn't think that building stars would be an option. When I wanted to be a regional director, I wanted to be in that position. I wanted to have that clout, that power to be able to change things across different departments. And so I start looking into all of the different director jobs that I wanted to apply to. And while I'm applying and interviewing, the president of the company reaches out to me and says, hey, we'd like to consider you for the regional director position. Come talk to us. And I was ecstatic because it was a job that I wanted. But honestly, I felt like because I had left the company, that wasn't something that they would consider me for even though I didn't leave to go to another company or abandon them for another job, I went for school. I guess I just had it in my mind that they wouldn't, they wouldn't consider me for the job. And they did without, with no provocation for me. So I was very excited about that. I interviewed and I interviewed hard. I came to the interview with an entire presentation of the issues that I saw when I was in outside sales what I could do to mitigate those problems and what I could achieve as their regional director. And it was one of the proudest moments of my life when the president told the vice president, who then told me that I had the best interview that he had ever seen in his career. And they hired me. So I got the job. It was incredibly stressful. I can't say that I was necessarily happy. I was happy with where I was in my career but it was an extremely stressful job. It was all consuming. And I got to the point where 
I really wasn't happy. It's almost like you were happy about like the status and the title. Yes. But your day in, day out didn't have any work-life balance. Yes. No work-life balance. It was all consuming, but I loved my team and I loved working with them. And opportunities started to knock on my door. So I had different opportunities that were really exciting and I'm weighing my options. An opportunity fell into my lap to be a director, a regional director for a different company. And it came with an incredible pay raise. I mean, incredible, a $50,000 pay raise. Of course, I'm considering it. I told my new boss, I will only consider this position if it's a lateral move because I worked really hard to get to where I was. I worked really hard to be a good regional director and to do my job well. I didn't want to take a step back in my career, even if it did call for more money. And so he said, okay, I can offer this, this, and this. I left. I said, okay. I'm going to go for this. I did my due diligence. I did. And it's the same company, right? Research. The same company? It's a different company that poached you or is it the same? It's a different company that poached you. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I got a little. Sure. So I left, I, I jumped off the deep end and said, okay, let's do this. So I gave my two weeks notice. My VP was absolutely flabbergasted, said that he never saw it coming. And I said, this is an opportunity that I've just got to take. And so I did. And it was the single worst decision that I have made, probably in my entire life. It was (laughs) the epitome of a bait and switch. And it was just a miserable position. It was a miserable job. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, what I was told it was going to be. I enjoyed it considerably less than the job that I had just left. I worked for it for about six months and I decided to... I decided to go ahead and find another position. And so I am searching and searching and searching for a new job and applying and I'm getting zero bites. I'm not getting any kind of traction. And I mean, hundreds of jobs that I'm applying for. And I'm wondering why people aren't appreciating the work that I've put in, what I've built so far. And it just wasn't happening. Two years go by. (gasps) Nothing. They were the most grueling two years of my life. And things continued to decline. They didn't just decline in my professional life. They declined in my personal life as well. And so talk about clawing my way back up to the top. I mean, I was at rock bottom. And I'm applying for director positions almost exclusively. And my How do you describe rock bottom? So for any listener that could be going Mm -hmm. through the same, because... I've definitely taken some missteps in my career. I think everyone does at some point and has to figure out how to get back. And so I think, talk about what it was like and what were you doing when you were at rock bottom to get you back? Let me just paint you an even better picture of what rock bottom looks like for me in my personal life as well. So I'm doing these side hustles. I've got this job and I am living in my dad's old, um, Essentially, it's like a a worksite trailer. So if you go to if you go to a construction site, the managers of the construction site are going to be in this little trailer, and he converted it to his um, kind of hunting little cabin uh, for his deer lease. And then when he stopped going to his deer lease, he took it 
and put it on his land that is adjacent to his shop because he owns his own business. He owns his own shop. And so it literally has no running water and no toilet. And you would have to go, if you wanted to take a shower or anything like that, you would have to run and get a hose and hook it up to a shop and then run it across the land to this little trailer just to be able to have running water. And then if you had to go to the bathroom, of course, you have to go into his shop, which was not the cleanest of places. And so this was my life. I mean, luckily I had, I had Wi-Fi, I had air conditioning, but it really, I did not have running water. And I was like, you know what? This looks like rock bottom to me. And then the pandemic hit and it just, it added a cherry on top of my Sunday. And I said, okay, I am going to continue. And my friends were telling me, not all of them, but the majority of them were telling me, Jess, you're not getting any traction as a director. Apply for manager jobs, apply for entry level jobs. You know, you need to work your way back up to the top. You know, you, you can't just step into a job at the top. And I said, have you ever heard of a lateral move? Have you ever worked for something, worked really hard at it, did really well, you've built yourself a pedigree for that career, for that position, and then you're going to start at the bottom again? You don't have to do that. Some other people don't do that. They take lateral moves in their, in their jobs, in their careers. So I said, I'm making a lateral move. And yes, it's taking me forever, but I am determined I am qualified for these positions. I have worked for these positions. I have the education and the real world experience for these positions. I'm going to continue. And I did. So I had other jobs that, you know, I worked hard for that just weren't there yet. And then I get to Builder's Choice. And people ask me, how did you get the job with Builder's Choice? This is such a great job. And my answer is ZipRecruiter. It was that <laughs> it was that simple. So underestimated. Sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Yes. Yes. So I just got the job off of ZipRecruiter. I applied. I interviewed. I interviewed very well. I worked really hard for it. And I was the best candidate for the position. And I got hired as their director of operations. And it has been incredible. Extremely difficult, grueling at times definitely the epitome of sink or swim. They dumped me into the deep end. And it's almost the first day that I was there, I took over this position with not very much training. And I have different departments and people under me. And I'm new to the industry. I'm new to construction. So I know what I'm doing in terms of leadership and being a manager being building a business. Yes. But, uh, so on the business side, I'm good, but in terms of the specific things that have to do with the cabinet industry, I had no idea. So it was very, very difficult, but very rewarding. It's a great job with a great company, such good people. And I'm absolutely ecstatic about it. And I feel like I was working so hard toward this moment yeah, that's how I got to where I am today. Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> very much so. I'm finally, I'm finally better. Oh, and for you listeners who are wondering, I am not still living in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice apartment that I love, 
And uh, so, yes, I do have running water just in case anybody is wondering. Thank you for worrying about me and my personal hygiene. I have running water. <laughs> Without a doubt, like your story is one of the most inspiring stories. Um, I, I think you and I became such close friends in, in college because I recognized in you your grit and your tenacity to just go. You were determined you were going to go get it. You were going to make life work for you. That is something we have in common. <laughs> there we go. I believe so. Yes. I think that's one of the reasons why we get along so well and why we've stayed such good, th- such good friends throughout the years. Yeah. Just uh, don't make excuses. Figure out, figure out a way. Just get it done. So what advice would you give someone? Let's say it's somebody straight out of college. They're, they're working and they're working and they're working their butt off. They're doing like, I feel anytime you're starting a job straight out of college, you're the one that's got to be there before everyone else and leave after everyone else. That is not what's expected of you. But if you want to succeed and climb and continue to, you have to prove yourself. And there's a little bit of a learning curve that you have to overcome because you don't have that real world experience. What advice would you give somebody that maybe is just starting out or is was in a similar situation? I know I, like I said before, had made multiple missteps where I made a career change. I was like, oh, this isn't great for me. Um, what advice would you give somebody in that situation on how to move forward? Hmm, such a good question. How to move forward. Um, the advice that I would give is to always keep your end game in mind, to really not, to not give up on that, to not let anything that happens to you deter you from that. Because I'm literally in my Elmo suit. I'm in my Scooby-Doo suit. (laughs) I'm in my minion suit and I'm dancing. And I'm literally thinking about how I'm going to get through this, what I'm going to do to continue with my career and to get back to where I want to be to build my empire. Keeping that at the forefront of my mind throughout these difficulties instead of saying, "Oh my gosh, I can't do it. I'm in this I'm in this Elmo suit dancing and it's hot at a kids party." And you know what? They're not even watching me. And so, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in an Elmo suit, so I'm going to do a good job. <laughs> yes. But, you know, not letting that get to me, you know, living living in the trailer And, you know, having to pull that hose just to be able to take a shower. And it's just like, man, keeping that at the forefront of my mind. And when the naysayers say nay and say, you know what, you should just take a step down and just take an entry level job and work your way back up to the top, lose all the momentum that you had built. Then that's, that's your answer. And to continue to have them say that for two or three years, it was just, keeping it in the forefront of my mind and saying, no, I know what I've worked for. I know what I'm qualified for. I know what I am working toward. Continuing to work toward that through everything is really going to make all the difference. That really takes a load of confidence, unwavering confidence. How, (laughs) what did you call from, from within? Um, sheer arrogance. (laughs) can I have some (laughs) I would love to have a better answer for you I really I would love to have a more humble answer but the answer is that I worked my way up to the top 
from this company because the outside sales representative position was an entry level position. And the reason why I got the job was because I had done such a good job of proving to them what I could fix, the issues that I had identified, the ways that I was able to mitigate those, not only in the moment, but to be able to be proactive in the future to ensure that they don't happen again. And then what I could do for them in the future. I mean, that just, I worked my way up to the top already and I had done well as a regional director. It was just arrogance of, I, I have already worked for this. There is such a thing as a lateral move in your career. And why can other people have that, that have worked for that? And I can't, like, I haven't worked for that. Like, I don't deserve that as well. It just takes, like you said, it takes grit and it takes knowing what you are. I guess it's more confidence, I I guess, than arrogance, but knowing what you're worth, knowing what you have earned and worked toward and ensuring that you continue on that path throughout all of these other obstacles. And one of the things, it's so funny, one of the things that really made me go through these struggles and continue to have that end goal in mind was Southwestern. Because you have so many obstacles, you have so much ridiculousness happen to you when you are a door-to-door salesman in another state, working in the boondocks, nobody knows you, I mean, cops are called on you. They come out with a shotgun. You have a flat road, a flat. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. This is an opportunity. Craziest Southwestern story. Oh God. Um, I don't recall. I have so many, but I'm drawing a blank. My craziest Southwestern story. Um, I'm sorry. This wasn't on the pre-questionnaire. <laughs> the, only, the only thing that I can think of that was, oh, the bird story. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I am when, okay. So when you're working with Southwestern, one of the things that you have to do is you have to run everywhere. So you don't walk to the houses. You have to explain why. (laughs) Okay. Um, you, it is your responsibility to see and do 30 presentations per day. So I've got to see 30 moms per day, but I can't just see them and make an attempt. I have to actually perform 30 presentations per day. And that is the quota. And you're an absolute pansy if you can't meet it. So (laughs) it's the minimum. Yes. If you can't do the minimum, there's something wrong with you. Yes. And uh, it's difficult to be able to get in 30 presentations a day, especially with how many doors are being slammed on you and all the obstacles you have to go through and all the restrictions. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. So I get out of my car and I'm in, I'm in the boonies and I'm not in the greatest neighborhood. And I see this house that has literal toys from the fifties in the yard. It's, I mean, if you just saw them and they had play equipment from the fifties, it was it's so, straight out of the handmaid's tale. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite odd. And so I thought kids toys, good sign. So I <laughs> forget that they're from the fifties. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. They've got grandkids or something. They just don't clean things out of their yard. You know, it's going to stay there for generations. They're thrifty. I get it. So I thought, okay, this is, this is a good choice. So I get to the house and I drive up, I actually drive up into their driveway, which is a little dirt path. I mean, 
can't really call it a driveway, but I digress. So I grab my binder and I get my binder and I open the door. And as I'm start jogging to the house, I close the door behind me. I see this flash of something and I was like, what is that? And I, it's just habit. And I just close the door and I start jogging to the house and I'm thinking, what was that flash of something? This is so odd. So then I turn around and I look at my car as I'm jogging and I see this little, this little head sticking up by my car. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is that? So I turn around, curiosity got me and I'm sure Southwestern is frowning upon this because I ruined my momentum, I turned around and I went back to the car, which is probably forbidden. I go back <laughs> to the car. I did not go to the house. I turned back to the car and there is a little tiny bird. It was like a little blue jay that had gotten stuck. When I closed the door, he got stuck. So his head was at the top of the door. And his feet were dangling down and his body was closed in the door. It was terrible. So then I'm screaming, oh my God, I'm so sorry. What do I do? what do I do? I was completely flabbergasted. And so I just turn around and I run, I knock to the door, throw my bag down. And you have this whole script of what you're supposed to say. Hi, are you the mom here? You know, my name is just, yeah, threw that away. This guy opens the door and I was like, Oh my God, come look at this. I run to my car. I run back to my car frantically and you know, the guy had curiosity. So he said, okay, runs back to the car with me and sees this poor little blue Jay. And he goes, okay, I've got this. So he walks into his house and I can see inside the door. I can, it's a beeline. I can see where he's going and he goes to this. It, I mean, it was filthy and he goes and picks up off of this heap of trash, this child's bib and walks back to the car, opens the door, lets the bird just drop on there. And it oh. was dead. It was so sad. It was gasping for air. And oh. um, lets the little bird drop onto the bib and then just throws it away. And uh, then in true Southwestern form and fashion, I led into my intro. thought. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they absolutely did not buy. This is one of those stories that Southwestern people always tell. And at the end, they have this grand, grand story of ridiculousness. And then the end is, and then they bought. And then for me, he did not buy. Um, he gave me the runaround. And anyway, so that is definitely my craziest Southwestern story. One of them that comes to mind. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I got to sell because I'm a dog person once. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, the dog's name is a Rottweiler. It was fenced in. His name was Cody. I remember because my twin brother's name is Cody. Yeah. And uh, this dog, huge, huge Rottweiler, big block head, very intimidating, barking, 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 barking. Anything that walks by the gate, the fence, like gets barked at. So I'm like over walking by and I'm like, okay, well, I know how to handle dogs. I've never been one of... Those, there's many, many stories of booksellers getting bit by dogs. If mm-hmm. you're scared of dogs, they can sense it. It's just, you got to be a dog person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I let the, the dog smell me. And he's like, okay, you're cool. You're cool. And turns around, doesn't stop barking at me, walks walks to the porch. I'm like, okay, that means I can come in. Mm-hmm. Open the gate, walk to the front door, knocked. And it was um, an older man and his granddaughter lived with him. Mm-hmm. So he comes out and he was like, oh my goodness. He was just shocked and amazed. And he's like, I can't believe you're standing there. And I was like, huh? He goes, 
where's my dog? And at that point he had walked around the house, just completely didn't even care about me. <laughs> I was like, Oh, he walked around the house. He's like, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Intro. You asked. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And uh, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, we're not going to talk here. Let's go sit out in the driveway outside of the fence. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, anyways. Uh, yeah. He bought, he bought five books. Wow. That's impressive. Good. Yeah. Good yeah that's one, one of my favorite stories. Crazy dog lady. Yeah. <laughs> it fits. It fits. Yeah. Uh, was, oh, Southwestern. <laughs> uh, yes. So many stories of just, oh, Southwestern. <laughs> But if you're a college kid and you're looking into it, you learn a lot. I literally got my first job out of college because of my experience at Southwestern. Invaluable experience. It will be... And many, many stories. Yes. One of the most difficult experiences you'll have up until that time. But the people that you meet are incredible. The experiences that you have are so worth it. And so, yeah, I recommend it as well. But uh, know when to stop. No, when you've done your time. Uh, Did you have, when you signed up for it, did you have a lot of people that were like, that's stupid, you shouldn't do it? No, I'm, I convinced them. (laughs) I did. I sold the, the program myself of just why this was going to be a good opportunity for me and the things that it was going to do for me in the future. And so I really surprisingly didn't have very many naysayers. And my dad approved of it. He said, you know what? If you want to do this, I know that you've done your homework, that you've looked into it, and that you're making a responsible decision. So I approve. And it was John Thomas, my boss, had said that it was the most pointless parent meeting that he had had up until that point because he he was all prepared to have yeah. convinced my parents to let me go out of state with strangers and work 80 plus hours a week selling books door to door. And he didn't have to, my dad was totally done with it. Uh, yeah, I had a completely different experience. Um, (laughs) although I was not as savvy as you at that age, Uh, I was definitely quite naive, quite sheltered. Yeah. So I I understand why some people were a little bit more hesitant about sweet little crystal. (laughs) Oh, I got to sell books, but it was, uh, it was needed. I think more than anything else for me at Mm -hmm. least. And it's so much fun to like have a podcast because I know so many amazing women in my life. And that's why I wanted to start this is because I work really hard to surround myself with people like you that just constantly inspire me to do better. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for Um, having me. I have one last, well, two more questions. Okay. So, and this is where it's related to the whole premise of this podcast is I want there to be more children's books four little girls, inspiring them to be strong, independent, fearless women and to grow into that. And uh, so this all kind of leads into teaching a lesson to a little girl in a series, Ruthie and Chloe. So with that being said, is there a lesson that you've learned, whether professionally or in your personal life, that you would have wished you have learned at a younger age or somebody would have taught you, or if you could go back in time and say, hi, little Jessica, here's a lesson for you. What would that be? Go with your gut, go with your intuition Um, and trust it more than the naysaying that goes on in your own head and the questioning that goes on in your own head. Because 
when I took that opportunity that, like I said, was a bait and switch, um, something in me knew that it wasn't quite right, but I was so unhappy in the current position that I had that I quieted that intuition and decided to leap anyway, because I had other things that were proving to me that it was a good idea. And I just didn't listen to my own intuition. And it is truly one of the biggest regrets of my life. And I am where I am today and I'm thankful and I appreciate the journey and everything that I've learned along the way. And it gives a a hell of a story um, and hell of a visual of me dancing in in some children's character suit. But might need that video for a promo. I've I've got to find it. I have to find it. You gotta see the dancing too. It's kind of ridiculous. It's it's I'm an odd person. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just listen to your own intuition. And uh, if you have, if you have something in your gut telling you that it's not a good idea, it's probably not a good idea. Go with it. Okay. So um, now I get to brainstorm some ideas and you're like the best person to brainstorm a story. So every episode and every guest gets to come up with a kind of an idea or plot for what they're, what Ruthie and Chloe are going to do in their book. Everyone gets a book written about them. So the the theme of yours is going to be go with your gut. Okay. We should put something about selling books in there because that would be hilarious. What if Ruth did that too? Huh? I was thinking that too. If we could have little little Jessica or little Ruthie and Chloe selling books, that'd be cute. That would be so cute. In a book. Oh, how meta. Yes. (laughs) Okay. To make it more commonplace. How about they're just selling newspapers? They have a newspaper route. Books are more fun. Maybe she writes her own book. Ooh, that would that be cute. I, is- I like the premise of her selling books and they can be, you know, a little book that you make up. And while Ruthie is, um, while Ruthie is showing the parents, the books, then Chloe is entertaining the children and dancing around And I think that would be really cute. Oh, that's going to be so adorable. When we had someone following us, they would have to entertain the kids while we tried Mm -hmm. to sell the parents. So it would be, you know, Ruthie would be selling and she'd be the the leader. And then Chloe would be following and just staying silent and staring at the back of her head and entertaining the children. I love it. Uh, It's perfect. And then I'll just think up of something like some kind of obstacle that she has to overcome. Yeah. We'll figure that out. Maybe it's a bird. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just don't make it die like mine did. No, I can't put that in a children's book. No. <laughs> uh, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on and having a glass of wine with me. So cheers. Cheers to your success. Cheers. Thank you very much for having Cheers me. to the grind. Cheers to never giving up. And cheers to following your gut. Cheers. And thank you so much for having me. I feel absolutely honored. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Underestimated Stories for Women. If you enjoy my podcast, please follow me on iTunes, Spotify, or Clip so you can hear my next story. This podcast is sponsored by Clips. Discover podcast highlights of your favorite shows at www.clip.ps.